Gracious God, thank you so much again for the Bible. Thank you we can come to it and look in it and hear what it has to say to us as it challenges us and encourages us uh, and helps us to live our lives fully for Jesus Christ. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come now and open up the word to our hearts, and I pray that you would rest upon me, that I might bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully today through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We love you, we praise you, we worship you, we honor you, and we do all this in and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul's writing here, and again, this is a, a, a staccato, a staccato group of encouragements and instructions from Paul, and this is, uh, this is the same. This, in the Greek, actually, what I'm going to read is actually one sentence, so it's not uh, uh, two sentences, three sentences like we have, uh, but that's a bit uh, complicated to deal with in English. So it says this, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. One thing that we have been praying for very intently here at City Temple, really since 2010, uh, we started this back in 2010, uh, praying. There have been many times when we thought that something was about to happen, and I, I still feel that we're on, uh, close, on the edge of something. I don't know why it hasn't happened, but we have been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We have been praying that God would do again the thing that he's done so many times in our history, that is, pour out his Holy Spirit to revive the church, to awaken people to their need for Jesus Christ, and to see an incredible advance of God's kingdom. And we're tempted to think that, that that's impossible, that maybe the best days of the church are behind us. And if we thought that, we wouldn't be the first generation to think that. I remember a quote from Daniel Defoe back in, uh, in, in 1727. Whoa, that got your attention. Are we back in? There we go. I remember a quote from Daniel Defoe in 1727 uh, where Daniel Defoe was just saying, you know, there's so much atheism and so much technology and it's all undermining, uh, all undermining the Bible and Christian faith and, and there's really no hope. You know, he saw no hope. And yet, within uh, a couple of decades, God had done an amazing work through people like George Whitfield and uh, Charles and, and John Wesley uh, and uh, Jonathan Edwards in the colonies at the time. And many, many people within the next generation came into the kingdom of God. So this can happen. It's happened before. And we've been praying for it to happen again. And we've been believing that it will happen again. But we need to be ready because every time the Holy Spirit has shown up and revived the church and awakened people to their need for Jesus, there's been a large portion of the church that's gotten offended because of this. 
You know, maybe something strange happens. You know, maybe people are, are falling over in the power of the Holy Spirit, or they laugh, uh, or they shake, uh, or they cry, uh, or any number of things can happen. And we've heard about some of these things in recent decades, but you know, this has been true all throughout history. These kinds of things have happened. Uh, and all throughout history, these kinds of things have caused uh, offense. People have taken offense. Uh, mostly uh, conservative Christians have taken offense. So the question is then, how do we navigate this if God pours out his Holy Spirit again, as I believe he will, and if there are manifestations or incredible things that happen when God pours out his Holy Spirit, how do we deal with it? How are we ready for it? How do we navigate that time? And how do we, in a sense, catch the wave of the Holy Spirit so that we're going with the Holy Spirit and not resisting the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul addresses that, I think, here today uh, in what he tells us. And as I mentioned, this sentence, this, this passage, these three verses, is, is our one sentence in the Greek language. It's all connected, and understanding that and understanding the flow of that really helps us to understand what Paul is saying. Now remember, Paul is communicating to a generation that is not very different from our generation. This is the first generation of Christians uh, after the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's one of the first churches that was planted, certainly one of the first letters that Paul wrote to encourage the believers there still would have been incredible things happening, incredible miracles and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and certainly people were very interested in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was empowering them uh, to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and all these kinds of issues uh, they were wrestling with, they were dealing with, and so Paul speaks to them. And as he speaks to them, he gives them two negatives and three positives, and they're all connected. He says, first of all, in terms of the two negatives, first negative, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Uh, another way, do not put a wet blanket on what the Holy Spirit is doing. Literally, it is the same kind of idea as a firefighter putting out a fire. If you've seen the Moorland fires uh, in uh, this, this past week or so, and you've seen how the firefighters have been trying to put out that fire, either by dumping water from helicopters on it, uh, or stomping on it with their feet, or beating it down uh, to try to put it out, those are all ways that you would quench a fire. And the same kind of concept is present here with Paul. And Paul is saying, don't quench the Holy Spirit. When he is moving, be sensitive to that and don't put a wet blanket on it. When he is moving, be sensitive to that and go with that flow. Watch for the Holy Spirit. Listen for the Holy Spirit. One of the great tragedies I see in history is the number of Christians who have actually resisted a move of the Holy Spirit that later proved it was really the Holy Spirit, but people opposed it and resisted it because it didn't fit within their box. And so they tried to quench it, they tried to stomp it out, they tried to put it out. I mean, you see that with Wesley and Whitfield in their day. I mean, one of the big things that they did was open-air preaching. 
And a lot of people said open-air preaching is entirely inappropriate. It is not the way to proclaim the gospel. You need to do that in a proper church building. And yet, Whitfield did it, and then he encouraged Wesley to do it, and Wesley did it. And because of that, thousands of people came into the kingdom of God on both sides of the Atlantic. So the first thing Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. Don't put out the Holy Spirit. The second thing he says, related to this, he says, do not despise prophecies. A prophecy is where people get a spontaneous, sometimes spontaneous, sometimes planned, message that they believe is from God, which they share with the body of Christ for its encouragement, edification, and comfort. And Paul would tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14 that he, he wished everybody would prophesy, that everybody would experience the ability to do that. It was something that was very important to Paul and very near and dear to his heart. And so Paul wanted us to encourage the prophetic. And in fact, throughout history, any time the Holy Spirit has been manifested in an increasing degree, there has been some kind of prophetic activity that has gone on. Now that doesn't mean that the prophecy is the Bible, is the Word of God. It's not. All prophecy is always subject to the Bible, to the Word of God. That doesn't mean that we're able to go and prophesy anything we want to. Certainly we're not. Uh, we have to be led by the Spirit of God and subject to one another. But Paul says, don't despise these prophecies. Don't look down on them or don't think less of them. They are very important. And in fact, we've seen that in our own lives, in our own church, that throughout our history, even the last 17 years, there have been key moments when God spoke to us through the prophetic word and it was absolutely essential for us. And Paul says, so do not despise prophecies. And there's a number of ways you can do this, by the way. Some people despise prophecies by saying, well, God doesn't do that anymore. Some people despise prophecies by saying, well, they're really not that important. Uh, and some people despise prophecies by saying, well, they're important, but they try to put them in a box. And they say, oh, they're important, but they have limited usefulness. But all of these are ways to despise prophecy. We need to recognize their true value. So that's the two negatives. Again, those two are connected. So Paul says, you know, do not quench the Holy Spirit and do not despise prophecies. You know, those both go together. They're both related. Uh, despising prophecies is a way of quenching the, whole, the Holy Spirit. But then that begs the question, does that mean then that we have to take everything that everybody says is from the Holy Spirit? Does that mean that every manifestation that occurs is from the Holy Spirit? Does that mean that every prophetic word that somebody has is from the Holy Spirit? Does that mean that every time somebody falls down, they're falling down in the power of the Holy Spirit? And obviously the answer to that is no. The answer is absolutely not. And so the three positives go with the two negatives. So Paul says, don't quench the Holy Spirit, don't despise prophecy, but test everything. Test everything. Now this literally means challenge stuff. Don't just accept that it's from God, but test it to make sure it's genuine. And sometimes testing takes time. Now there are a lot of people that want to get in your face and say, well, I'm moving with the Spirit and you've got to accept what I'm saying. And we have the legitimate right to say, no, I need to test this to determine 
whether or not it's genuine. It's the same kind of process that uh, you'd go through to test a metal, like gold, to make sure that it's pure. It's the same kind of process that you go through to test a student to, through an examination to make sure that the student proves to be worthy of the honor that you want to de devote to the student. So we are to test everything. We are not to de despise prophecies and we're not to quench the Holy Spirit, but we should test every manifestation, test everything that seems to come from the Holy Spirit, really put it to the test. And as we put it to the test, we need to hold hard onto that which is good. Anything that is good, anything that passes the test, we really need to embrace and embrace it strongly. Remember back in uh, March of 2008, somebody came into the church and gave us a very, very important prophetic word that we've tested since that time, and it's proved to be true so far. Every bit of it's unfolded, and so we're holding on to that, and we value that. Anything that is good, we need to hold on to it and hold on to it strongly. In a couple of weeks, I'll be going up to Scotland, to the Isle of Lewis, and interacting with our friends up there who were part of the 1949-53 revival, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened up there. And they hold tightly to all the things that God did. They hold fast that which is good. And then he says the other positive is to abstain every appearance of evil. So we are to hold on to everything that is good that passes the test, but at the same time release everything that doesn't. And interestingly, the two words that, that are translated here, one is hold fast, the other is abstain, they're actually the same root word and they mean the opposite of each other. So with hold fast, we're holding on to it, we're gripping it very strongly. That which we're not holding fast to, that's what we're abstaining from, we're releasing it. We're letting it go, we're saying, I don't want that. No, so anything that does not pass the test, and especially anything that proves that it might be from the flesh or from the devil, we need to release it. We need to let it go. We are in a time where we need the Holy Spirit as never before. And obviously the Holy Spirit is with us always if we're believers, but we need the Holy Spirit to continue to fall upon us, to empower us, to be witnesses for Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to help us as we pray for the sick, as we share our faith. We need the Holy Spirit in this season. We need this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we need to be ready because as the Holy Spirit is poured out, the goal is that Jesus would receive all the glory and honor and that many people would come into the kingdom of God. So if we apply what Paul has told us, I think we'll be able to experience the most from the Holy Spirit and at the same time maximize the glory that Jesus receives. Father God, thank you so much for your word yet again. And I thank you for this encouragement I pray, Father, that you would help us to test everything that seems to come from your Holy Spirit so that we can hold on to what is good and release what is not good. And I pray that you give us the wisdom and the courage to do that even as we prepare for the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We love you, we worship you, and we adore you in Jesus' name. Amen.